This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. As a continuation from last week's podcast, I want to continue to talk about sleep and how important it is for our little ones. I know that whenever it's daylight savings, I have such a hard time myself. And I remember when my kids were home, really adjusting to that new time schedule. But also, we often see kids who kind of get off track when they've had an illness, and especially if they've come back from a travel and with spring break, you know, right going on right now, we all can appreciate that. But it doesn't have to be like that. So what I did is I asked two people that who have been on my show in the past, Bridget Bowling and Beth Levy, and they're sleep consultants from Little Snoozers um, Pediatric Sleep Consultants. So that Bridget is the founder, and Beth Levy is also joining as one of the other sleep con- consultants. So thank you so much for returning on Growing Up with Dr. Sarah and helping our children improve sleep, but also preventing those things that can happen. As we know, it doesn't have to be like that. We're after travel, you know, that there, there has to be, you know, an alteration. So thank you again for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. So tell me about like, let's start with daylight savings. Why don't we? Because, and I know it's maybe a month, almost a month since it happened, but I know that it really wreaks havoc. I mean, I love having the daylight, more daylight during the day. There's no doubt, but it absolutely can throw kids at any age off. Would you agree? Yes, most definitely. And again, thanks for having us. We always love joining you. We love your podcast. Um, Again, my name is Bridget Bowling. And yes, daylight savings time is a real adjustment for people. Um, Parents fear it, you know, no matter if it's fall back or spring forward, but there are definitely things you can do to prepare for it. Um, Spring forward, what you can do is adjust bedtime or wake time in the morning. So you're waking your child up 15 minutes earlier every couple days to catch up on that hour. Um, So you're not really losing an hour, you're losing 15 minutes four times over a certain amount of time for fall back, you would adjust bedtime. So you're pushing bedtime back 15 minutes every two or three days so that when it is daylight savings time, you're only losing 15 minutes that night because you've prepared 45 minutes over the past couple of nights. So, so it's what, not such a hit. Yeah. So what I hear you saying, cause I just want to repeat it. So I have it straight and I've never heard that before. Thank you. So if it's spring forward, you want to start adjusting when they wake up 15 Correct. minutes every two, three days. And right. then when it's fall back, you want to adjust by 15 minutes when they go to bed. Correct. Yes. Yeah. I could see how that could work. That's, and that's simple. Yeah. And that's if you're a planner. Yes. I always just wing it. <laughs> I don't know. 
you have to put it on the calendar somewhere, set a reminder in your phone. Like we're springing forward and spring and springing forward and falling back in two weeks, you know? Yes. And that's the point. It changes every year what the date is. It changes. And they're trying to get rid of it, (laughs) but there's so many other things you can do. Um, So that would, if you're planning, that's what you would do. But other things you can do is the weekend of daylight savings. Don't lose extra sleep. A lot of people stay up late on the weekends. Like it's fun to let loose a little bit, but don't lose more time. You're already going to lose an hour automatically. So make sure you're staying on track as much as you can that weekend so that you're only hit with an hour and not a combination of like five hours because you had a movie night or, you know, you were thrown off for other reasons. Um, It can also help just to be out a lot during the day. So, you know, your body can just kind of adjust to that light. And then, you know, when you get home and it's the evening, making it kind of dark and, you know, then your body kind of just naturally adjusts to the to the wake and to the sleep and same with eating a lot of time that sets it, you know, um, your body just gets used to getting up and eating at a certain time and, you know, having dinner at a certain time. So when you can start realigning the meals too, it kind of helps reset to adjust to the time change. Yeah. That's a really good point. And then what else staying on routine. So you're not changing anything. Routine is huge. Um, and also that with daylight savings, giving grace, like everyone's going to be a little tired and crabby that Sunday after <laughs> losing an hour or even gaining an hour. That's hard too, because you're used to a certain amount of hours in the day. What do you do with that extra hour? Um, so just giving grace for, to your children, to yourself, you know, don't have any high expectations for the day. It normally takes a few weeks too. So just kind of like Bridget said, being patient and, you know, within a few weeks, your body's going to get used to, you know, going to bed earlier and getting up. And and so yeah. what's interesting about the timing is, and like you said, three weeks, all of a sudden now you're, you feel like, okay, I think I got my family back on track. And guess what? Now we're leaving for spring break. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, of course. What it's tra- always something. It is. What travel tips do you have for everyone? Um, it, it really helps to kind of bring as many sleep cues as you can, especially with the baby. So I always say, pack a sound machine. If you guys use a sound machine, pack a sound machine. Um, we even recommend, and it sounds kind of silly, traveling with just black, huge garbage bags and painter's tape. So, um, you know, hotels often it's dark, but a lot of times if you're staying at someone's house or, you know, in a Airbnb, you want to have that option to make the room, you know, as dark as possible, especially if your little one's used to that. Um, If they're used to a special, you know, stuffed animal or swaddle, like making sure you have as many cues as possible so they can get the point that I'm in a different place, but this is still, you know, where I'm going to sleep. I also think it's really important, especially if you're not bed sharing, to not to not get into the habit of, oh, we're in a hotel room, so let's just, you know, share a bed. If at all possible, you know, ask for a cot or bring a pack and play. Um, there's a lot of great companies where you can call and rent a full-size crib and they'll set it up with, you know, the mattress and the sheet. It's really hard. That's a really hard habit. If if you got all cozy sharing a bed with mom and dad for a week and then you get back and, you know, a lot of times we'll get calls from parents. Oh, they got used to, you know, sharing a bed with us. And so avoid sharing a bed and make arrangements, um, you know, if you can. There's even toddler blow up beds with little bumpers. So <laughs> if you can. At all costs, try to find a way to keep them in their own sleep space. I would imagine, too, it's difficult enough 
that there, you know, and many times you have to share room. Right. You know, if you are lucky enough to have the child sleep in a different room, that's one thing. Right. But if you're sharing a room, that's something they're going to have to adjust to, even if they are sleeping in their own space. So sleeping in their own space versus with you is just one less thing that, you know, is you're going to have to kind of deal with when you get back. Would that be true? Yes, definitely. And I always, so when we travel, I have four kids and, you know, someone's always not ready to go to sleep or talking and thinks it's fun and, you know, it's different. So I always tell the other ones, just lay down, ignore them and fall asleep. And, you know, after a minute of whoever's talking, not getting a response, they'll finally fall asleep as well. So it's kind of just ignoring behavior that you don't want to continue and it, you know, it won't. (laughs) It's funny. I I used to do that. You know, my boys are four years apart and I used to tell Gabe, you know, let's just lay down, you know, a little bit with, and this is when we were on vacation because we're all in one room and he was, they were both old enough that they could be in the other bed, you know, not necessarily a crib or, or anything, but I would tell the older one, you know, I'll let you stay up a little, but you've got to like, just lay down and rest. And nine out of 10 times he would fall asleep too. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you do have an older kid, you know, you can set them up with, you know, you know, maybe a book and a small nightlight or a flashlight, you know, so that can kind of help if you have kids going to bed at different times. I know. I, so I was just recently on vacation and I saw this little boy and he had to be probably three guessing, you know, about that age. And they were out to dinner and it was probably eight o'clock and you could tell that he was so tired. Mm -hmm. I mean, just from the day's activities, you know, and Mm -hmm. being outside and in the warm sun, et cetera. And I thought to myself, I'm not, I wasn't judging, of course, because, you know, I don't know the whole situation, but all I could think of was, you know what, just, he needs to go to bed, you know? Yeah. That's a really good point, though. I think it's so easy to think I'm on vacation. We'll skip naps. We'll stay up late. If, if you do that one day, like there's a special, you know, dinner that you need to go to or a nap is missed, that's fine. But I always tell parents, don't do the whole week of staying up late, missing naps. It, it's going to be really hard to get back on track. So, you know, as much as possible, stay on your routine. And if you have a night where they stay up late, the next day, please let them nap, you know, so you're just not now making up for a week of, you know, sleep loss. So have fun, but try to stay on schedule, you know, as much as you can. Well, and if you do that, what I would tell others is that the next day is going to be great. And the next day and the next day, because what ends up happening is we all know that when we don't get the right amount of sleep and good sleep, everybody's crabby, you know, and that's not a fun vacation. Right. And then no one's having fun. Right. 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 So I think that it's also setting up realistic expectations. Wouldn't you think too? Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I always say for travel days, because there's a lot of anxiety, especially with new parents and and travel days, that's the one day where they're obviously, if you're on a plane, they're not going to nap. So have some, you know, flexibility and grace, especially on travel days. But then once you're there, try to create some sort of, you know, routine as much as you can. What happens if they're on vacation and you do bring the bed and you're keeping it on routine, but the child is still having difficulty falling asleep because it's such a, a, a strange place. And I would imagine part of it can be also, I remember from talking to you before that if you miss that 
window, that cue. Very often parents misinterpret that like, oh, well, maybe I should let them stay up a little longer, then they'll sleep, they'll fall asleep better. But I remember learning from from both of you before that that actually is counterproductive because then they've they're overtired. So right. make I want to remind everybody what you said before, and that is make sure that you look for those sleep cues so that they're not overtired by the time it's time for them to go to sleep. Yeah, right. And they're not hitting that second wind and you're like, oh, my kid's not, you know, normally when I talk to families and I talk about bedtime, they're like, oh, that's so early. But you know what? They do get really tired between that 30 minute window. I'm like, exactly. And then they get a second wind and they're like, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So yeah, definitely keeping an eye on sleepy cues and, you know, putting them down when they're ready so they don't get a second wind and then you're up all night. So, but I would say if your child has trouble falling asleep on vacation when you're traveling is that you can give them a little grace. Like if you have to lay there with them for a little bit while they fall asleep, like it's, you're not going to create bad habits because as soon as you get home, you'll just get back on routine. They know what to expect and chances are they will be as happy to be back in their own crib as you are happy to be back in your, your own bed, no matter how good of a time you had. And sometimes there are situations where, you know, you, you're sharing a house and you can't let your you know child cry or fuss at all. So when you get back, that's when as soon as you're back, you really have to get right back on track. So that might mean putting your child to bed 30 minutes earlier for a few days so they can catch up on sleep. That might mean if you did sleep training, pulling out your sleep plan, you know, and so now they're crying at night and you're not sharing a house and, you know, and you do your, your checks and you kind of, you know, do your sleep method to get them sleeping, you know, for a few nights till they're sleeping again. So that's the biggest thing we see where parents get back or a child gets better from an illness and, you know, they're like, well, they slept in, you know, my bed on the trip. And then we kind of kept doing that at home. So soon as you're home, just get back to all those sleep rules paired with an earlier bedtime. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. And I would say to even parents, that's good advice to keep too, you know, stay on your schedule just as much as you're keeping your child on schedule. I know for me and my family, we could do fine on vacation, but it's that transition back, you know, and that includes diet. Like you mentioned diet. Mm -hmm. It's like the fridge is empty, right? And everything is just off kilter and you really got to give yourself grace, but do what you can try to plan ahead. Even if it's things in your cupboard um, that, is non-perishable that you know, okay, we we have breakfast Monday morning set so that until I can get to the grocery store. And yeah. and then this way you're if you can get right back, then then everything you don't look back at vacation and be like, oh my gosh, that was exhausting. And when we came back it was, you know, we just were all messed up. But you, it doesn't have to be that way. You can just get just get right back to it, but you got to do it right away. The other thing to think about too is time change. I don't know if you ever have, you know, patients ask you, but, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, I'm, you know, I have family in Italy. I just had a client, I have family in Italy, you know, what am I going to do? So um, with that, I always say if it's, you know, sometimes people go for less than a week, keep your, try to keep them on the same schedule, but if it's going to be a week or more, it really is important to, you know, flip them and adjust them to the new time. So that includes, you know, keeping them up as much as possible during the day, other than 
the typical nap that they do lots of sunlight and then you know dark at night so the melatonin can kind of re-regulate you know that natural melatonin um so just another thing to think about with travel sometimes we have the time change to think about as well yeah that's that's a that's a big deal and i think Two, it's different whether you go east or west. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're gaining hours or losing hours, it's, I imagine it, you could almost use it very similar to the way that we do daylight savings. Yeah, some people do. They'll adjust a few days before they go, you know. Um, yeah, so we're east. So when we head west, the hard part is the little kids, you know, they want to go to bed at four because it feels <laughs> like seven. Do I have that right? I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then they're going to wake up, you know, at four Four. in the morning. Right. (laughs) So it it is again, kind of that grace because it just kind of the knowing that, you know, the first few days you're going to keep them up a little bit later than they're probably comfortable with, but obviously you can't push it that much and they're going to wake up, you know, earlier as well. Yeah. Until they adjust. Plan some early morning activities on those first couple days and plan to try to go to bed, you know, a little bit earlier on Mm -hmm. the, you know, don't, don't try to, it's also becomes like you said, planning when you're traveling like that and you do have some time, you know, changes knowing too, that, that you're going to be dealing with that. And when you're planning excursions or, you know, things that you're doing, just think ahead of that so that (laughs) it's not like a brick wall that hits you. Exactly. Maybe the first few days you keep it low key as, as you're adjusting. And typically after a few days, you'll notice, you know, they're going to bed a little bit later and they're able to make it till five and then, you know, six. And so eventually they'll, they'll get there. And then now coming back, I think sometimes coming back with my kids when there's a time difference is Mm -hmm. harder than going, but what suggestions do you have when you're now kind of acclimating back to your own time zone? I would say the same as when you're doing it to acclimate to the time zone you're going to, but really like just getting back on routine, sticking to your schedule. And as you both have already said about light and dark, Mm -hmm. you know, get your body out in the daylight, the sun can do wonders and then make sure there's rooms black enough that your body will produce melatonin and sync up circadian rhythm with sleep. again. (laughs) And I would imagine too, you were talking about diet. I also want to bring up activity, you know, being active helps us all sleep during the Mm -hmm. day and making sure that even when you return, that there's playtime built in. And, you know, a lot of times I know as a busy mom, I was like, okay, I got to do laundry. I've got to go shopping. I've got to do all these things, but you got to take a little bit of time and make sure that the kids are getting some activity too, and getting back into routine of that. Yeah. Fresh air, you know, just being outside. Yeah. Definitely getting them running. And, and then if it's international travel, it would be normal for them to wake up overnight when they come back as they're adjusting. So again, just kind of knowing that, but then also not, you know, pulling them into your bed because they're up at night. So kind of doing some checks on them and helping them get back to sleep. Now, well, you- and do you think, oh, go ahead. Anything too, you need to, when you're traveling, you try to um, put a day in there for, catching up. When you come back, you're going to need another day to catch up if you're doing the international travel, because it's, you can't just get back into your routine the next day. You know, you get back at 5 PM, you expect tomorrow to be normal. You can't, you need a day to adjust 
you know, give everybody grace, let their bodies work things out a little bit. So don't plan, don't expect the next day to be a regular day back in your routine. Yeah, it could. I, I always one thing I learned for sure is that I didn't have to get all the laundry done the very, you know, the day after we got back. It's like, OK, we can we can make it a few days, a you know, few days to really get back. <laughs> but it's hard. It's hard. You want to get it all done. Well, yeah. you mentioned about sleep training and I want to bring that up because I know that a lot of parents or any caregiver has they have a lot of reservations around sleep training. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because. The reason why I mention that is that's what's going to help if you really feel like getting back into your routine is difficult. This going back to kind of like what you did to help your child get into a routine is what's really going to help. Like it's almost like you have to kind of like start over, you know, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think people think sleep training is just crying when and, and nobody likes to hear their child cry. I am a mother too, a parent. I understand. But that's the least part of sleep training that there is. There's so many different aspects. There's safe sleep. There's sleep environment, which includes temperature and what your child is wearing, um, sound, darkness, everything. Um, schedule. Schedule is so important. Putting your child to bed when they're circadian, syncing sleep with their circadian rhythm and um, that's huge feeding them when their body wants to eat. So yeah. there's so many different aspects that when, when you do sleep train, those are the main aspects. And then if your child is to get up, here's how will we, how will, how we will react, which there's so many different methods and just depending on what your family style is, your parenting style, your values, there's a method for everybody. Um, the main thing is consistency. So they all work as long as you're consistent. Yeah. I think sleep training just gets that wrap of you put your baby in the, you know, crib and you see him in the morning and it's, it's really not that way. We, you know, we offer a lot of different methods, you know, and, and it, some people might choose that, but that's not, you know, there's more gentler, more involved methods that we use. And it just kind of depends on what the parent wants. And sometimes, you know, parents come to us with a, you know, a two or three month old asking to sleep train. And we're actually the ones to say, no, it's too early. So, you know, we are really gentle and making sure we're sleep training only when it's appropriate time. Um, or sometimes parents don't want to, you know, they want to stop feeding overnight and we're the ones to say, no, <laughs> do keep a night feed at night. So it's, it is a really thoughtful, you know, um, approach, you know, with a lot of science facts, learning that we do. Um, and yeah, like Bridget said, it's, it's routine. It's making sure kids are napping at the right time, going to bed at the right time. We even talk about eating, um, making sure they're getting bottles or breastfeeding at the right time, getting their meals. And so it's just kind of that whole schedule overhaul, um, that really makes a big difference. And I think a lot of people too are afraid of getting on a schedule, especially if it's their first, you know, I understand people don't want to change their lifestyle, but you also have a child mm -hmm. <laughs> and understanding and respecting that that child is going to have a baby infant um, is going to have a lot more sleep needs than you do yeah. as a grown adult. So some people are concerned about being on a schedule. And I always tell people, we tell people 80, 20. So if you stick to the schedule 80% of the time, the 20% you veer away, your child will bounce right back. 
So you're not locked down for the rest of your life, you know, with this early bedtime and naps, but you know, a lot, of, a lot of people do dread that early bedtime, but then once they start, they're like, wow, I have the night free. It's seven o'clock and you know, I'm not up till 1030 with a baby. I can, you know, watch TV or connect with my partner. So I, I think nine times out of 10, once the baby's going to bed earlier, they really appreciate it. And they, they get their nights back and they get a little reconnecting time with mm-hmm. partners or families. So it's, it's really huge. Yeah. Then, win and for that's everybody. So, yeah. Definitely. It's so important. Like you said, it is a big win, but it's hard, you know, and I think sometimes, and I've, I saw this, you know, sometimes with family and friends, they'll be like, your kid goes to bed at six 30. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I was just, you know, I kind of blew him off a little bit, you know, and, and that was with my second one. My first one, I definitely made all the mistakes with my first one. So the second one, I was like, good night, you know, <laughs> so right. he loved his sleep, you know, and he, he never wanted to lay with us or, you know, even on vacation, it, it was like, you're crowding me, you know what I mean? It's kind of funny. Yeah. I always say, do you want to stay up with a cranky baby, you know, just because like you want to keep them up or, you know, or would you rather put them in bed at seven and enjoy a rested baby and play a little bit in the morning, you know, so. And yes, uh, and I definitely quality over quantity. Yeah, for sure. Because I I heard one time a speaker say, you know, you'd never deprive your child of of nutrition. So Mm -hmm. we, we have to make sure that we're not depriving them of the sleep they need. And I'm not saying that anybody would do that purposefully. I'm not saying right. that at all, but it's easy to kind of, not, you know, as you're treading through that water of even, even one child, like I mentioned, could be totally different than the other. And um, Bridget, like you said, with four, I'm sure you could describe a completely different sleep style with all four of your kids, but it's, it's, being persistent, like you said. So how long does, how long do you have to be consistent or persistent? And I know it could change with each child and situation, but at what point should they like throw in the flag and be like, I need to talk to little snoozers? So we recommend setting aside two weeks for sleep training so that you can be as consistent as possible and your child can understand what's going on. If you do something for one or two days, you're not going to see how it impacts your child. Um, So you can't give up that easily. We say, you know, two weeks, but working with families, we also, there's times we have to make adjustments throughout the two weeks. Um, You know, if the child's not catching on as quickly, or we might have to, um, you know, adjust nap time a little bit. Every child's different. So we we make adjustments as well, but being consistent is the biggest thing. Yeah. Well, there is no doubt in my mind. I wish I knew both of you when my kids were little. So if someone does, I know in the show notes, I I have how they can get a hold of you, but let's say they did want to learn more about ways they can help because sometimes it, it could be a big thing, but sometimes it might just be simple tweaks here and there. And of course, I want to encourage everyone to talk to your doctor if you do have concerns, because there are, we talked in our last podcast about nightmares and night terrors and other conundrums and sleep, but we're just talking about, you know, kids are going to get sick, you're going to travel, we're going to have our routine off a little bit. And um, the daylight savings until they decide it's not here, it's going to be here. So I really appreciate all of the tips 
But if they need and want more information, how can they get a hold of you guys? They can go to our website. Um, we have each one of us has a personal email if they want to reach out to one of us specifically, or you know, they can just reach out to the general email. Um, and we'll we offer a free consultation of 15 minute call. So, you know, if a family's interested and just wants more information, we're happy to just chat with them on the phone and hear what's going on and offer, you know, a few suggestions and our advice. So through the website. Awesome. Well, thank you both for You're welcome. Thanks for having us. us. Yeah, I hope you'll come back again. Definitely. Definitely. And thank you everybody for listening. And don't forget to follow me wherever you like to enjoy your shows like Spotify and Apple Podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. If you enjoyed this episode and think the information shared here today could benefit someone else, take a screenshot of the episode and post to your Instagram story. Make sure you tag us at Growing Up With Dr. Sarah so we can spread the word about the show and continue to grow in our mission to support as many parents and families as possible. Hey, if you're interested in being a guest on the show or would like to suggest a topic, please visit www.growingupwithdrsarah.com slash contact. Thanks again for spending time with us today. Stay tuned for a brand new episode next week as we continue to grow up together.